It's been more than a month since a horrible crime took the lives of four University of Idaho students. On November 13th, 20-year-old Ethan, 21-year-old Madison, 20-year-old Zanna, and 21-year-old Kaylee were all brutally stabbed to death at a house near the University of Idaho campus, leaving the community and classmates in shock. Something like this doesn't happen in Idaho. It's known to be a quiet and very safe area. As of today's date, December 16th, 2020, this is still an ongoing investigation and the killer is still out there. This case story contains graphic and shocking content. Listener's discretion is advised. Also, if you're a fan of dark mystery stories along with true crime cases, then you're listening to the right podcast. I hope everyone isn't too overwhelmed preparing for the holidays, but if you are, just try to soak it all in one day at a time. And don't forget to give yourself that deserved me time when needed. I'll be uploading once a week. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, then all you have to do is hit the five-star review button and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now let's get into today's case, which is very recent. And as of today's date, again, the investigation is still open. This case is constantly being updated, and because of that, there has been so much information, but also a lot of rumors are circulating, so I'm going to try my best to only state the facts here. But I will also share my personal opinion on what I think. On November 12th, Kaylee and Maddie went to a local bar called The Corner Club, approximately from 10.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. The food truck called The Grub Truck near the bar was live streaming that night, which showed the girls ordering food at 1 40 a.m. They arrived back to their King Road off-campus home using a private party at around 1.56 a.m. This is all according to digital evidence. Zanna, whom also lived at the home, was at the Sigma Chai house party with her boyfriend Ethan, but arrived back at the King Road home at around 1.45 a.m. Ethan didn't live at the home, but was staying with Zanna for the night. There were also two other female roommates, Dylan and Bethany who both survived the attacks, which we will get into a little later. They were out as well, but both returned back home by 1 a.m. Now keep in mind, November 12th was a Saturday, and these are college students we're talking about. It wasn't odd that they were out partying on a Saturday night and while being on campus. At around 3 to 4 a.m., a suspect who has not been caught or identified yet, as of today's day, entered into the rented home and brutally stabbed the four friends to death. The students were ambushed, with a large fixed blade knife that was confirmed by the coroner. Quote, it had to be a really big knife to inflict those injuries and kill four people. End quote. Kathy said, who is the coroner and has spoken publicly about this case. She also said, quote, I deal with a lot of sadness, but this is pretty extreme. End quote. Kathy believes that at least one of those girls did wake up during the attack because she had defensive wounds. So she did try fighting back. Honestly, this is so devastating. These are someone's kids we are talking about. So it does break my heart reading into these details. Kaylee's parents, especially her father, has spoken out quite a few times as well. And this is what he had to say about the attacks. I'll cut to the chase. Yeah. Their means of death don't match. Maddie's they don't. and Kaylee's cause of death, it does yeah. not match based on the autopsy report. They don't match. Yeah, yeah. Would, would indicate that one of them He doesn't have to go up the steps. Target. Let's stop playing games, guys. I need somebody to step up and be 
an outfit. Be somebody to be a leader. Don't make me do it. I don't want to do it. Investigators are still looking for that knife, by the way. It has not been found as of today's day. Local businesses were contacted to determine if a fixed blade knife had been recently purchased at one of their stores. The other two surviving roommates are believed to be asleep during these attacks. Many people are still assuming that those two roommates had something to do with the attacks, but I'm going to explain the layout of the home and it may or may not change your mind, but I think all details are important so there's no victim blaming going on or any harassment towards those who did survive. They are still victims at the end of the day and need to be respected. On November 13th, the surviving roommates woke up to start their day. Now, this part is not very clear, so I'm going to go off of the Moscow homicide updates shown on their website, which I'm going to link below this episode under sources. According to that homicide report, the surviving roommates summoned friends to the residence because they believed one of the second floor victims had passed out and was not waking up. So I personally believe that one of those roommates either Either Dylan or Bethany opened the door or tried peeking in to wake up the other roommates who were also their friends by the way and they noticed one of them on the floor or not responding maybe so then possibly panic see it's not clear if the surviving roommates saw blood or not so I'm assuming it was dark in there and that they didn't because at 11 58 a.m. a 911 call requested aid for an unconscious person that person who made the 911 call has not been identified yet it could have been a friend or other residents in that area that were called over by Dylan or Bethany, the surviving roommates. However, the Moscow Police Department is stating that the call was made from one of the surviving roommates' cell phones inside the residence. Multiple people spoke with the 911 dispatcher before Moscow Police arrived at the location. When those officers arrived, they found two victims on the second floor and two victims on the third floor, all four deceased. There were no signs of sexual assault. The surviving roommates have been cleared and are not suspects at this time. They've been receiving hate messages though and threats and very rude comments on their social media pages, which honestly upsets me big time because if the Moscow police had reasons to clear them, then they have no reason to believe that they are involved. Maddie, Zena, Ethan, and Kaylee were their friends too, so they're also mourning and people need to remember that. The only credible information at this point is what the Moscow police is providing. So it's important to remember that when pointing fingers or coming up with a theory, theories can be very damaging, especially to all of those involved, including victims. When you're watching content creators cover these type of ongoing cases, you really have to make sure you always do your own research. There are rumors about the surviving roommates and how they saw the bodies so that they ran out the home hysterically crying or one of them was crying and the other one passed out from being in shock, causing local students and residents to run to their aid and make a 911 call. Although that would make more sense compared to the homicide updates, they are only rumors and are not confirmed at this point, so it doesn't make it credible info. They do believe that it was a targeted attack. The Moscow police did make it sound like in their press release update that they kind of knew who it was. But again, no arrests have been made. I'm not sure if they really do believe who it may be. I honestly think they kind of made it seem like that so the community could calm down because they have been on panic mode ever since this has happened. This community is gripped by fear ever since the slave 
killings happened. There has been so many calls coming in to do welfare checks and unusual circumstances, like way more than usual. Many are on the edge that a killer is still on the loose, and the fact that he did this in the middle of the night while they were all asleep makes it even worse. According to the press release that came out on December 15, 2022, the following are not believed to be the suspect. The two surviving roommates, the male in the hoodie in the grub truck surveillance video, the private party driver who took Kaylee and Madison home on November 13th, the male Kaylee and Madison called numerous times during the morning hours of November 13th. It is believed they were calling her ex-boyfriend, who Kaylee was still very good friends with, and that he just wasn't answering the calls, maybe because it was really late at night. But I don't think anyone has confirmed that it was actually him or not. Any individual at the residence when 911 was called is also not considered as the suspect. And the individual on the lease who moved out of the residence before the school year started and was not present at the time of the incident is also not considered as a suspect. Kaylee's father says that the police department hasn't been updating him as much as they were before. This can draw a lot of concern when coming from a family member of a victim because it kind of makes people believe that this case is going to go cold or they're about to hit a dead end. But I personally think that's not the case at all. I think it's way too soon to even think that way. I don't think it will and I hope it won't. They are collecting thousands of tips, calls, digital media submissions, emails, and have 113 pieces of physical evidence. They have asked the public for help and have also reached out to larger departments for help. They sound like they are doing the best that they can do. But her father is a grieving father and everybody does need to remember that. Also, it's important to keep in mind that since the case is still ongoing, it could have been possible that the police department told her father to not speak up anymore just in case it will hurt the case. Now the police department does believe that this was a targeted attack from the stab wounds. So let's talk about the layout of this home. The roommates were all renting it out which was typical for this property. It was known to be rented out by students in the area. The home is a three-story six-bed three-bath single-family home. The front door leads from the driveway into the house and had a padlock on it. The second floor has a sliding door in the back, which would make it super easy for someone to enter and exit out if it was unlocked. The third floor also has a slide door in the back, but it's a lot higher and not accessible from the ground. There were no signs of forced entry. The two surviving roommates were sleeping on the first floor, while the other four were sleeping on the second and third floor. Now, windows are all over this house, making it so easy for strangers or anyone else to see everything showing through, especially at night when the light is on and it's dark outside. There is an apartment complex right behind the house, along with woods. This is just so sad that it happened right before the holidays, like right before Thanksgiving and Christmas. So apparently there was deceased animals left on the property, but investigators believe that it was just wildlife activity and not related to this case. Also, an incident about a skinned dog, but they also don't believe there is any evidence linking to the slings either. The latest update as of December 16th is that they are looking through hours and hours of digital content submitted by 
businesses, homes, and the public. Investigators are asking the public for additional help in searching for a white 2011 to 2013 Hyundai Elantra. I hope I pronounced that right. In the immediate area of the King Road residence during the early morning hours of November 13th, investigators believe the occupant or occupants of this vehicle may have critical information to share regarding this case. They also stated that the investigative pace will not slow down for the weekend or the holidays. Man, I just feel so bad for all of those involved. The community, students, staff, investigators, and of course, all of the family members. My heart is with Moscow and I hope they find the killer as soon as possible. Security and counseling is available for all of the students. I really hope counseling or therapy is available for the officers as well, especially the ones who had to see the horrific scene and those working nonstop on this case. If you have any information or tips, please contact the Moscow Police Department's tip line at 208-883-7180. I will also add it to the description on this episode. I personally think that it was an attacker that may or may have not known them. I don't believe that it was the two surviving roommates. I really think it was somebody who was really angered by one of them or maybe more than one of them. Articles have mentioned that there were claims that one of the girls did have a stalker or she had mentioned having a stalker. She like feared about having one. It wasn't confirmed and there's no solid evidence proving that she did have one. I believe somebody was watching them and could have been watching them for a while and they knew like exactly how to get in and out of that home. It could have easily been somebody who has been in that home before too. Friends would go over all the time and they would leave in and out. So, you know, it's very easy to forget about the slide door being unlocked, which unfortunately makes it an easy access for an intruder to come in and out without that forced entry. I hope you all stay safe and find warmth in this cold world and I will talk to you soon.